0: Welcome to the Parental Development Podcast. I'm Leah. And I'm Becca. And we're two sisters, one with kids. And one without. One with questions. And one with answers. One who's a licensed psychologist. And one who
1: just wants everyone to hear what she has to say. We both have a heart to see parents succeed and
0: kids thrive. In this podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of topics, all with the goal of promoting conversation and learning. Thanks for joining us. Let's chat. Welcome back to an episode of Parental Development. Thank you again for being here. We would like to ask you to please, if you're so inclined, leave us a really only five star review. But (laughs) what else could (laughs) there be? Any kind of review. (laughs) But look in your little show notes. If you're driving, don't scroll. But scroll over to the little show notes. You got little. If you're an Apple person, there's Apple. If you got. If you're a Google person, there's the pod chaser and leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. Nice. So I have an idea (laughs) (laughs) that I've been trying to think of ways to like work in more real life examples because I think that is really where people learn and it makes it easier to actually figure out like what this looks like in real life. Agreed. But that's hard to do sometimes if it doesn't like fit with the topic that we're talking about Mm -hmm. and so I thought about starting a new segment called (laughs) what in the week (laughs) (laughs) and this will be when I do my best to talk about some situation that happened during the week that is this kind of parenting style related but maybe doesn't jive with the topic I like it. And you'll notice this is only going to be when I get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll have another segment called what the hell and I'll mess it up. (laughs) But for now, it's just going to be the good stuff. You're just going to, you're just going to get all my good stuff and I'll keep my, I'll keep my failures for myself. (laughs) So this week for what in the week? (laughs) I have to come up with some snazzy music or something. Get on that, Benji. So we're getting towards the end of the school year. Lincoln has a science fair coming up. And you probably can tell Lincoln is a very, uh, he's a type A. He likes things to be right. He is super sensitive and just likes to get things done and not need any help. And so I was talking to him on the way home. must have been Tuesday about... What's happening in his science fair came up and he instantly started like crying oh and gosh. said, I only have two days left, mom, and I'm not done with it. And I said, OK. And so I try my inclination is to jump in with like, mm-hmm. let me fix this for you. right? <laughs> and so I do my best not to to do that and say, like, tell me what you need to do. Give me some ideas. What do you think? And he really could not get there. He could tell me what he needed to do. I can't even remember what it was. He had to print out some pictures. He had to do this. He had to do this. But there was no space in his brain that he had enough time or knew how to do it or could get it done. So I usually do then ask if he wants some ideas or some help with it. And if he he did say yes. And so I said, can we print some things at home? No, because it's only at school. So everything I offered was like, no, that's not going to work. But he was like distraught. And so I dropped it then because I wanted, I just needed to get home and see if we could calm him and then if he could have a more logical conversation later. And so ultimately what we landed on, and I do this periodically for him and with him, is, but only if he asks, he asks me to email his teacher. Mm -hmm. He does not like to ask for help in front of other kids. He's afraid he'll be embarrassed. That's just a thing we're working on. It's something he, I mean, it's always, he's afraid he'll get made fun of. He's afraid he'll be embarrassed. This is, that's never happened to him, Mm -hmm. but it's a fear he has. And so if he ever needs help in class, we are working with his teacher, but he will ask me, can you email her and tell her I need help? And if he asks me to do that, I'm more than happy to do that. Mm-hmm. I can hear people saying like, well, he needs to learn to do that on his own and you're making it too easy and la la la. Yep. And he's nine. Right. And <laughs> we're working on it. And I think this is a good first step. And I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> so I emailed the teacher. She said, yep, no problem. No problem. So he came home that day, and I said, okay, buddy, I emailed your teacher. How did it go? And he goes, I'm done with my project. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, that's great. Tell me what happened. That was a fast turnaround. (laughs) And so he just talked through his teacher. She's wonderful. There were like three or four other kids, and so she scooped them all up together. And so he didn't feel alone and helped him like – get his list, help him, helped him learn like how to think through his like checklist and all that stuff. And he did it all and was fine. And so then I was able to go back. So that was great. We talked about that, how good that was. He felt really proud of himself. And then I was able to go back and say like, did you learn anything through this? Or like, what do you think this like means that this went so well? And he goes, I think it means I can ask for help. Hmm. And I said, Yep, that's, I, I think you're right. I think um, asking for help, I think, is usually a good thing. And then I, and that was all I could come up with. And I said, can I tell you a couple other things that I see that, like, I think might be beneficial? And he said, yeah. And so I said, you know, a couple things. A, when you have a question or need help, chances are someone else also does. Mm-hmm. Chances are you are not alone in that. And so you could see that with your with your friends, and there were three or four of you that needed help. And so... That fear of embarrassment and being made fun of and all that stuff can sometimes lessen because chances are there's other people around that need the same kind of help. And B, many times the things that we think are overwhelming and impossible, we have built them up so big in our in our head mm-hmm. that we make them bigger than they need to be. And so one thing I've talked to him about for eh, probably a year, year and a half now is I help him understand that he has a uh, thinking brain and an emotional brain. Mm-hmm. And we've worked on that, right? That's left and right side. We've talked about that a ton. But I help him see when you did that, your emotional brain like took over and you could not have a thinking conversation with me. And that's what I was trying to do, but you couldn't get there because your emotional brain hijacked the rest of the stuff. And he goes, yeah, it was like they were battling. They were in this (laughs) epic battle. And all of a sudden we got into this like huge battle of two brains. And he had some different ideas about how those were working together and fighting each other and whatever. And I said, yeah, that's all fine. I just need you to understand (laughs) That's what's happening. And so I then helped him think, like, sometimes when that happens, if you can recognize it's happening and just say, like, man, my emotional brain is out of control, sometimes it can help you, like, step back and think a little differently and all those things. Again, I think of all of those different, like, just nuanced little things I was able to just tell him. I don't know if he remembers any of them. Mm -hmm. But if I had either said... I'm not telling your teacher you have to do that yourself and just let him sit in it or let him fail to the point of like it just builds upon itself and then he really never gets his project done and then he really feels terrible. Mm -hmm. I suppose you could argue those are different lessons you would be teaching. I'm not sure what those would be and I'm not sure they're lessons I would need to teach him at this point in his life. Mm -hmm. But what I got to teach him is that I will help you if you need it. And if you ask me, I will always figure out a way to help you. And then I got to teach him, like, all these other things of, like, it's okay to ask for help and your brain hijacks. And, like, we talked about emotions and thinking and all that stuff, which way better for me than you need to learn how to ask for help. And this is how I'm going to teach you to do that by withdrawing my support and help from you. I don't know that that would have had any kind of a similar outcome for him or for us together so that's our first installment of what What the week week? (laughs) what the what the week what the week i like it so i'm hoping that i'll be able just to throw these little things in and again they are only my good things and so i'm gonna keep please i just feel the need to say over and over again i do not get this right all the time at all at all Maybe one of these days, I mean, I've told you about some of those. Maybe one of these days I'll tell you about more of those. But but again, I think this is where the learning happens of what does this look like? How do you do this, how, especially as our kids get older? So a lot of people, you know, talk a lot about how, what to do with, like, the little littles, your two and three and four-year-olds. Yeah. But as they get older, what does that look like? So that's that. I like it. Well, thanks. <laughs> Okay, this week we're talking about probably one of my favorite topics <laughs> ever. My favorite things ever, which is food. Yeah. So let's do a State of the Union. Okay. And these uh, these statistics are heartbreaking to me. Oh, good. I know. Most <laughs> of my State of the Unions are not great. This one's not either. I apologize. Uh. Um, 42% of first... Through third grade girls want to be thinner. Stop it. Uh, 42% of our little babies. First through third. That is six to eight year olds want to be thinner. 81% of 10 year old children are afraid of being fat. 81%. 81%. This is from, it's one of the leading nonprofit uh, organizations in the U.S. It's A-N-A-D. Um, for like eating disorder Mm. support and services and that kind of thing. I can link to this in the show notes. 46% of 9 to 11-year-olds are sometimes or very often on diets. 35 to 57% of adolescent girls engage in crash dieting, fasting, self-induced vomiting, diet pills, or laxatives. And on a college campus survey... 91% Ninety-one percent of women admitted to controlling their weight through dieting. Jeez. So we need to talk about food. Yeah, we need to talk about it. Um, I did see on the same, this same website, where I think it said eating disorders are the most lethal, like, mental health diagnosis you can have next to opioid use, mm-hmm. which I believe I have worked with some. People who have some pretty significant eating disorders and man, it is a tough, tough one to Mm -hmm. get to. What we know, much like anything else, is that children learn how to talk about their food and bodies from the adults around them. Mm -hmm. That is just true. And so that's why I think it's important that we talk about it because, I mean, those statistics are... Yeah. It's just heartbreaking to think that our little like six-year-olds want to be thinner. It's just sad. So let's talk about it for a a little bit. I have pretty strong, this will shock no one, (laughs) I have pretty strong feelings about (laughs) how we use and talk about food with our little ones. Mm -hmm. And so I feel pretty strongly that we should not motivate Reward or soothe our children with food. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk through some of those. Motivation is like getting kids to do things for food. I have heard this even in schools where they'll say, if he is quote unquote good for the week, I'll take him to McDonald's. Or, you know, I've talked before about the We'll have a pizza party at the end of the semester, but only those of you who are good or only, Mm -hmm. you know, if you do X, Y, or Z or don't do these other things. Right. And we think that is like motivating, motivating their behavior. Honestly, the kids I think that this works the most for are the ones who are, have the most food instability, like in their home a lot of times. Because if I have to work for food, what does that mean if like you don't give it, give it to me? hmm. If I have to earn my food, that's just kind of a gross message to me just in general. If yeah, I have to earn something that I mean, you have to have and is like life sustaining and like all those things. And I know some people use it as like, but they win candy and they win like treats that they wouldn't normally get. You know, I don't like any extrinsic motivation. I don't you know, I don't do sticker charts or rewards. I don't I don't do rewards at all. With my kids, but because of what it does to their motivation, and it doesn't teach them to be intrinsically motivated, Mm -hmm. like motivated because it's what they should do, teaches them to be motivated because they want a sucker or something like that. And that's just not how I want, when I think of how I want kids to think about food and their relationship with food, it goes hands in hand with reward. I don't want our kids to think that their behavior is somehow tied to food. Mm -hmm. I just don't like, right, I don't like that. Everybody has to have food, and then, as I talked about in that previous episode, if you are using food to motivate behavior, and then you they don't get it, then the message is you are so bad, like you you are not good enough. So I am going to withhold food from you. I am not going to feed you because you don't live up to my standards or this bar I set or something like that. And I don't I don't love that.
1: I think though, like. I mean, yes, that's that's gross when you like think about in their little brains what that would mean. But I think that parents would have, I think that they have a hard time accepting the fact that that message does wire. Yeah. You know, and you talked about it like us growing up, whether it was pizza parties at school or you read 20 books over the summer and you get a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut or whatever, you know, what whatever Book it was. It. Right. <laughs> Book it. Stupid. <laughs> But I don't know why that's so hard. And maybe it's just if you actually did admit it, then you'd have to admit like the gross message that you're sending to kids. But I I don't know why that's so hard for adults to understand that that message would get tied to that, especially like you said, like kids that have the food instability at home. Let's say they don't ever get pizza ever in their whole life. They are obviously going to tie that more than a kid that gets pizza every Friday night with their parents, you know. Right, right. Why do you think that is? I, I mean, I guess I could make an assumption that it's, if you did admit that, then you do have to also admit that that's gross, that message that you're sending.
0: Well, I also think, I mean, I think it's a societal thing. I think yeah. it is. Let's just parlay right into the reward thing. Mm-hmm. Because, again, they're yeah. related because yeah. you get motivated and then you get a reward. But I think we as adults, food is how we reward ourselves for everything, right? Like, I got a promotion at work. Let's go to dinner. Mm. I mean, yeah. you live in and we grew up in the South. That is like its own love language is food. Mm-hmm. And so that is how we celebrate everything. We reward ourselves even... Those of us as adults we think like, well I've I've earned this. I did x y or z. I deserve this candy bar or I deserve a cheat
1: meal cuz I starved myself wine, all week. Or, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Or I ran this morning and so I deserve this. It's this reward for being good enough. Mm. Which is a twisted relationship with food. Yeah. That honestly, I I think many of us as adults, if we really like stop and think about it, feel that same kind of thing. And so I think we don't even know that we're doing it. Mm -hmm. I think we don't even notice that we're doing it. And I think a lot of parents don't know how else to reward their kids. I think, and this is true just across the board societally, we have convinced ourselves that there has to be something tangible that we have to do a thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: whenever anybody, especially a kid, does something good. They have to get a sticker. They have to get an M&M. They have to get a whatever. It is the whole, what used to be whole, behavior modification. There has to be like rewards. You have to have these tangible rewards. And really what the research is showing us is like, that doesn't work for the kids who actually need the The rewards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The kids, I've talked about this a ton too. The kids in the class that the sticker chart is meant to help do not give a damn about the sticker. (laughs) Kids like my kid would love a sticker. But he'll behave whether you give him a sticker or not. Right. Most of the kids who care about the stickers would do the thing whether you gave them a sticker or not. Mm -hmm. The kids we think are helping, it's helping They don't care about Mm -hmm. the actual thing, which is why those don't work. All it does is shame kids because they never get the sticker.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But I think we just lost sight of the fact that like you can reward your kids with a game night or words like praise or time together or a walk or I don't know, a million Mm -hmm. other things That we don't ever think about. We just take them to dinner. We take them to get ice cream. We get them pizza. And listen, there is nothing wrong with any of those things. I'm not saying that at all. We're talking about like a relationship with food, Mm -hmm. which all of us have in some ways. It is this relationship with food. I don't want to get it twisted because of those statistics I said earlier. Yeah. To think that that is not then tied to how our kids view their bodies and their weight and how good they are down the road I mean surely that connection is pretty easy to see yeah because the other thing I see with this reward thing is that and the motivation is a lot of parents use food to bribe their kids mm-hmm. right yeah if you come I'll give you a sucker if we if you get in the car I'll give you a treat if we go to if you go to the doctor I'll give you X y or Z it's a way to like get them to do things that they don't really want to do which again play that out mm-hmm Think of a 15-year-old, you know, who only knows how to do hard things, thinking that there will be food at the end. Mm. That's, no, we've got to teach them how to do hard things because they're hard things and we can do them Mm -hmm. and they can be hard and we can get through them, period. Hard stop there. Again,
1: though, (laughs) as again, I mean, beat a dead horse over here. It's much easier to hold out a Tootsie Pop and say, get in the car. Yeah. And then it is to take the time and say, buddy, I know you don't want to go to the doctor, but we have to go. I you, I, I, know you don't want to go. I know you're scared. Yada, yada, yada. That takes, you know, could take five to 10 minutes as opposed to here's a Tootsie Pop Get in right. your car seat. It's hard work. It's hard work. Yep. But again, those yeah. statistics are gross. And I, I think that that warrants taking some extra time to try and change the relationship that our kids have with food because that makes my stomach turn i
0: know same and then the last one is soothing the thing we want to watch for i have talked to parents before of every time their kid cries they offer them a snack (laughs) (laughs) and there's a part of me that gets it a lot of that is just like we're trying to distract them
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right like we're trying to just like Let's think of anything other than this ridiculous thing that you are upset about. And so this isn't even like, I mean, this could be like the healthiest of food. Do you want a snack? Do you want an applesauce? Do you want some cheese? Like whatever it is. And I have said like in real life, you cannot teach them every time they are upset, they eat. Which how many of us like, it's Mm. like a joke of like, I'm going to go eat my feelings. Right. Yeah. And I'm stressed. I eat. I eat. Mm-hmm. I'm happy, I eat. <laughs> it's a Tuesday, I eat. Yeah. That whole thing <laughs> of anytime there is an emotional response, good, bad, or indifferent, food is the solution. And no. Like that. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Again, as someone who struggles with food issues still significantly. Yeah. Same. That is how that starts, I believe. Is that whole thing of, oh, don't cry here. Let's let's go get let's go get breakfast or let's go get a snack or whatever it is. Every single time Mm -hmm. there has got to be. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't then go eat afterwards. Yeah, that is like you're, you're you know, that's the next thing. But you have to first do the emotion regulation stuff that we've talked in previous episodes that we've talked about to get them to a place of connectedness and regulation. And then we go about our day and maybe that involves eating next. Right. Right. But it is not a way to soothe the negative junk that is happening with us. And that is the part I think as parents, especially of young kids, that is problematic.
1: Yeah. I think that's work. That's hard work as everything but i think too along with a lot of other lessons that we want to teach our kids we model that we model that to them you may be going to get into this i mean we were ta- we were just talking before we hit record about Lincoln at church this morning, like you didn't think he was paying attention and he like recapped the message for you, like told you and you were like, oh, my gosh, you were paying attention. Like our kids listen to what we say. And so I know there are men and women that listen to this podcast, but I'm going to speak to women right now because we are the worst about talking Mm -hmm. down about ourselves and talking negatively about ourselves. And our kids hear that. And you can talk on that. But modeling a positive relationship with food, modeling positive self-talk and not negative self-talk is just as important because they are they're watching you and they're listening to you and what you say and do and the attitude you have and whether you have to make yourself a separate dinner because you can't eat the same dinner because god forbid it's not baked chicken like they see that and that sends a message
0: i have heard other people say this and i've i try to adopt it in my house of like we just we don't talk about other people's bodies Mm -hmm. period That's just not a thing that we have a right to talk about in any way, for any reason. But a lot of it too, I think, is, for me at least, in my vocabulary, and I've talked about this before, I really have taken out the words good and bad. Mm. I do not talk about things in those terms, especially around my kids, because it's just, then I get into murky territory and it's hard for me to get out of, right? But I don't talk about like, that body is good, that body is bad, Mm -hmm. and you could attach some other labels to that, or that food is good, that food is bad, that person is good, that person is bad. I try really hard not to have those words. And so then it makes it easier not to talk badly about people Mm -hmm. or myself because there is no good or bad. There is just different. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so, yep, that body looks different than that other body. They all look different. Yep. Mm -hmm. That skin color looks different than that skin color. Yep. They all look different. That hair, like, you can go down a million different things, and our bodies are just another thing. Yeah. That we don't talk about, but that is not good or bad. Right. And so, but yes, that means I have to also not talk about myself that way. Mm -hmm. And where I think parents sometimes really can do this without knowing is media. Mm. So there will be parents who are like, very strict about I don't say that about myself in front of my kids, but I will watch a TV show and rip that person apart for any number of things. Or they will hear me talk about, talk negatively about people that I don't know or in media. Mm -hmm. And that's one area that I think we need to be a little more careful about because I think because there's some distance, I think sometimes we forget, like you said, that they're listening to that too mm-hmm. and trying to figure out why why we're saying those things about that person and what that means.
1: And I think too, like they, whether that's you, they hear us say something about someone on TV. Their brain may we may be talking about something totally different, maybe something that they said or a tone that they used, but maybe that person on TV looks different, and so in their mind, maybe they associate how that person looks whether it's the size that person's size or their ethnicity or whatever they would as- they may associate that with oh well right. that person must be bad and that sends all that that goes down a whole bunch of rabbit holes that i i would do not want to visit at all
0: right yep 100 percent. so much like many other things that we start talking about to me the biggest factor in this is interoception mm-hmm My goal in life, I'm just thinking more and more like, I think interoception is like probably the most important sense we have. I mean, I just think if I had to pick, Mm -hmm. that is the thing. Because what I really want my kids to understand is that interoception, how do I know
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and allow them to listen to their bodies when it comes to food? Mm -hmm. What does it feel like when I'm hungry? What does it feel like when my body is satiated, when it is? I don't even love the word full because it. I don't mm-hmm. love that, but that's what we say. But that satiated feeling, what does my body feel like when I do that? What does my body feel like when I eat different foods? Mm-hmm. If I eat grapes, what does that feel like compared to if I eat French fries? Again, not good or bad, just how does your body feel? Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? And so I think a lot of this plays into like this whole body autonomy thing too mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. I am pretty uh, liberal with if my kids say they're hungry, I let them eat
2: mm-hmm.
0: anytime, anywhere. I don't say we just ate. No, because I mean, <laughs> if you're an adult and you're hungry, <laughs> you go get yourself something to eat. And yeah, I want you to imagine going to your spouse and say like, man, I'm really hungry. No, we just ate dinner. You can't have anything. Um, yes, I can (laughs) because I'm a grown up and I'll go get whatever I want. Right. If we wouldn't do it for adults, we shouldn't do it for kids. And so I am not going to that interoception is their body is telling them they're hungry. They are now telling me they're hungry. You can go eat. Mm -hmm. Now, we may talk about like we talked about like at night, what do what do we allow them to eat? It's got to be quick and not Mm -hmm. messy and all those things. But when they are hungry, they should be allowed to eat. Period for me. When they say their body is satiated, they should be allowed to stop eating.
1: Mm-hmm. Preach that one.
0: To this day, <laughs> and I am 40 years old. Yes. It takes everything in my entire being to leave food mm-hmm. on my plate if I am right? full. Yep, yep, yep. Everything in me i will eat to the point where i f- i am not i am beyond satiated yeah <laughs> i'm sick
1: to my stomach
0: <laughs> because i cannot leave food on my plate mm-hmm. because that was so they're alarming. starving kids was, in africa right that was <laughs> and i used to say like well send it to them <laughs> i don't i don't i can't eat anymore <laughs> So I believe that when kids say they are full, they should be allowed to stop eating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, let me say this about that. I understand that if you are someone that is really struggling financially or like food wise, you have waste, wasteful. That's mm-hmm. always the argument right. is like yeah. it's wasteful. Understood. What I would say about that, though, is then you need to build some things into your structure and your routine and your home that minimize that. I don't know that you can take it away completely, but that minimize that. And so I can hear people who really struggle financially saying, I cannot keep throwing away all of this food because they don't want to eat it. Then I can't keep doing that. They have to like they're wasting all of this food and I don't have the money to buy more. hmm. I understand that. A couple things I would say, this might also be controversial, but I also believe children should be allowed to eat things that they like. (laughs) Because as an adult, I do not eat things I do not like. Mm -hmm. And when someone tries to make me feel like I should eat something I don't like, I get very angry. (laughs) Because I know I don't like that thing and I don't want to eat it. Mm -hmm. Now, I think there's a space for like Giving kids opportunities and encouraging them to try new things and all those things. I do not understand purposefully making a food you know your child does not like and then getting mad that they don't eat it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't understand that because, as again, put yourself in their shoes as an adult. I don't eat things I don't like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? We were trained if you're at somebody's house and they have something you don't like, you take a tiny little spoonful. Mm -hmm. I can maybe eat a tiny little spoonful, but I certainly am not going to eat a whole meal of something that I don't like. (laughs) So that is one thing I would, I know that is, I know people are going to have some thoughts and feelings about that. That's okay. I just don't get it. And so I don't do that. So that may be one thing if you're worried about waste. I think our kids should be allowed to eat things they like. So make them things they like. Mm
2: -hmm. And you
0: should start with much, much smaller portions especially if you're trying to shift to this and like we're trying to reteach our kids how to listen to their bodies, you should start like super small because you don't want to waste all of that. I mean, even right. th- nobody wants likes to throw food away. I mean, whether you have all the money in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's, that just doesn't, that doesn't feel good to, to anybody. And so you could start small with that, but I would have on hand the foods that you know they like and Work with them on on doing it that way. Of I'm going to give you things you like, and I want you to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I try to help them do, and so I let my kids eat when they're hungry, and I let them eat until they are satiated. Sometimes what I will do, so my kids love like Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> Who
1: doesn't really?
0: I know. And Lincoln sometimes will eat like four or five of those things. And if I can get to him, I sometimes will say like, buddy, sometimes (laughs) when we eat that much bread, (laughs) you're going to get like a dough ball in your belly that might not feel good to you.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And here's where I also then go the next step. If he says, no, I want this, I usually then will say, okay, just know that it might make your stomach hurt. Because why? What do we call that? natural consequence, right? (laughs) That is a natural consequence. If he chooses to eat that food, knowing that I gave him information that that might make your belly hurt and his belly hurts, that is a natural consequence. That is a much better teacher than me saying, no, you cannot have that because it could make your stomach hurt. No, put it back. No, no, no. I could do that. I could easily do that. That does not teach him the same way as giving him the information, letting him make his own decision, and then he suffers the consequence. Is it going to kill him? No. Will he think differently Mm -hmm. about it the next time? Yes. A hundred percent. And so I do stuff like that, or they will be eating, 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 and I sometimes will go to them and say like, okay, bud, let's take a minute. Take just a minute. I am happy to let you eat until you think you are done. Take a minute and see how your body feels. Mm -hmm. Listen to your belly for just a second. Cause sometimes, right? Like it's, it's so good or it's new or
1: that mug will eat a whole bag of baby carrots.
0: Uh (laughs) Correct. He will. (laughs) Right. He loves to eat. And so I will stop him and slow him down a little bit only to give him the opportunity to listen to his body though. That is what that is for is like, listen to your body. What is it telling you? And usually he will come back and say like, no, I'm done. Mm -hmm. They just need a minute. And so again, it is not about controlling them. It is all about helping them stay attuned with themselves and their body Mm -hmm. and the messages it is sending them. Because if we didn't have all these junk messages, our bodies are designed to be hungry, And satiated and hungry and satiated. And it's just that we don't know how to listen to those cues because we've just overridden them for however many Mm -hmm. years. I have overridden that, or I was forced to override that by no, you eat everything on your plate. Did not,
2: did Mm -hmm. not
0: matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. So clearly, I'm not a big advocate of that. If I could take like one thing, one thing off our, out of our toolbox, it would be eat everything on your plate. I would ask, please yeah. don't do that, because <laughs> your kids will be forty and stuff themselves because they cannot leave. Yeah, anything on the plate. I now, as an adult, have to tell myself like, this is a message you got when you were a child. Yeah, <laughs> it is okay. Please stop eating. Your body is telling you you are full. Yeah, but that yeah. is, and that only works sometimes. Other times, yeah. I have wired those things together that it is, oh, it is painful. It's painful when I have to do it. Are you the same yeah. way? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's a, it
1: takes a very conscious, and I still feel guilty about it. Like, I yes. feel guilty. Yes. Like, I paid for this meal. I can leave right. however much I want, but I do feel guilty leaving anything on my plate.
0: Right. Yeah, the other thing I think that it has made me, like, I am not great at knowing, this is going to sound so dumb, I am not great at even, like, <laughs> caring if I like a food, because, I think because we were made to eat foods that we didn't like, I we can eat something, but I'll be like, that's not very good, and I'm like, oh, I'm done with mine. <laughs> was it not, was it not good? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know. I just thought it was on my plate, so I thought I was supposed to eat it. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't know if that's. I mean, maybe that's the same of like, because we we didn't really get to have opinions about yeah. if we liked it or not. That didn't have any bearing on whether we ate it or not. Yeah. And so I think that's also broken. Oh yeah, for sure. And I I mean I can eat the
1: same thing for like yes, a week. You
0: can. Yep.
1: And I and I don't know. That's probably tied up in that too. Like you just eat what what you have. Like so if I yep. make. A pot of vegetable soup. I'm gonna eat that mug till it's gone because I can't throw it out. God forbid we do right. that. But yeah, I think that's some of the same message and I remember because we would have to drink milk with meals, right? Mm-hmm. For some reason. I hate milk. I do not drink milk to this day. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like it. even on cereal. like I would rather drink like an almond milk or I can't do like just cow milk. And I remember, like, telling mom and dad, like, I don't want to drink that. And I don't want to drink that. I don't. And I, I think maybe I am somewhat lactose intolerant, maybe. But I just remember, like, having to drink milk. And I, it, it's disgusting to me. Mm. I don't know how people yeah. sit and drink milk with their meals. It's gross. But, yeah, it's like you just have to. It was put in front of you. And so you just eat it. And it's I almost I just almost developed like this utilitarian mindset about eating which is not healthy either because good food is good like I love good Mm -hmm. food and so I don't want to develop this mentality about food like I just eat just have to eat right it's fuel for your body and like yes you want to make conscious decisions about putting the right kind of things in your body that are healthier but yeah to this day I can't leave stuff on my plate
0: yeah a real struggle (laughs) Oh
1: boy. Which sidebar, I just thought about this when you're talking about Lincoln with a natural consequence of the dough ball in his stomach. Have you seen that video? I don't know if it's on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, where that little boy, and I don't know if it's his mother or his grandmother's like baking and he wants like, a, I think it's like baking soda. Oh, is it
0: like, f- yeah. Flour yes.
1: or something and he wants a yes. spoonful and no, you can't have, and finally they're like, yep, here, have one. And he puts it in his mouth and then coughs and just smoke comes out of his mouth. Yep. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's something uh, I would do. That's something yeah. I would do. like, okay. You're hell bit you on it? having it. Here you go. Yeah. It's not gonna kill you. You're gonna do this one time, my friend. You're gonna do this one time. <laughs> As opposed to for the next year and a half, I'm gonna chase you around making sure you don't eat the baking soda. Nope, I'm gonna let you do it one time. And then you're gonna learn. That is that's a Was natural it? consequence. But wasn't
1: Journey, didn't you tell me Journey ate a whole stick of butter the other day? Butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure she had a consequence. I'm not sure she cared. She might eat butter again. But, yeah, she uh, ate a whole, like, stick of butter while she <laughs> was going to the bathroom or something. It was fast. <laughs> that girl's fast. She snuck it into the refrigerator. And and then I think she smeared it on the windows a little bit, too, oh, after she ate it. Uh, just for good measure. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. So I just told you all the things not to do, basically. Right. <laughs> What do you do? And again, please hear me. You just heard all my own issues. Although those are the ones that I am...
1: Comfortable talking about. I'm <laughs> hypersensitive to those. Yeah. yeah so, so
0: we can talk about those all day. <laughs> I'm hypersensitive to those. And I know very clearly like, nope, don't want to do that because I'm a mess. But a lot of it is just like I said, there. there is no good or bad. There is no good or bad food. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I don't, there's not a good or bad. Everything is in moderation. So we just try to talk about food in a way that is sometimes we'll say healthy or unhealthy. That's a different word for good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) And so we try to talk about like food has nutrients, food has stuff in it. And some of those things are better fuel for your body than Mm -hmm. others. And so we just talk or they make you they give you more fuel or they're more nutrients or that we try and talk about it almost in like a scientific kind of thing. And talking about, again, what that feels like for your body and why that's important. One thing I'm working on now, this is something that as I am doing all this work, I'm really <laughs> getting old to be real honest, but this is my next thing. i like, oh, I should work on that, is really not commenting at all about how much or what they're eating. Mm. I say it regularly of you didn't eat very much, or oh, you must have been really hungry tonight, or that kind of thing. Which, Mm -hmm. or praising them because they ate everything, and then Mm. right, which implies I have more favor for you when you eat everything on your plate, which is not Mm -hmm. the same as like demanding it. But there is a message in there somewhere, and so I'm working on just not, not commenting on it at all, and trusting them to trust their bodies of, you were hungry and you ate until you were full. And if that was a lot today and nothing tomorrow, cool, not my business. And so that's what, that's like the next thing of like, I don't do that very well. I comment on it quite a bit and I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And so- that's kind of my next thing of, of just paying attention to what I do with that and how I comment on like what and how much they're eating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the bottom line is, if you don't want them to eat all the stuff, it shouldn't be in your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you don't want them to eat it, I see a lot of parents of like, we set out everything on the table and they just want dessert first. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. That's, <laughs> that's fair. And so if you don't want them to want dessert first, don't put it out yet hmm. Like, that's OK. Or if you're going to let them eat the dessert anyway. Who cares what order they eat it in? I know, controversial. Becca just made a face at me of like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> if they're going to eat dessert, because, again, that teaches you that dessert is the treat. That's the reward mm. at the end of eating all of your food. Then you get the good stuff. Oh, then you yes. get the, the treats. Right. Right. Only when you eat everything else I want. And so it's the same kind of thing of like, nope, you have to eat X, Y, and Z, and then you get this like cool thing that you really want. Mm. And it's the sa- it's the same kind of message. Just yeah. It's much harder. And so if you're going to let them have the treat, give them the dang treat. Or if you don't want them to have the treat until they've eaten, leave the treat away. They shouldn't mm-hmm. know about the treat because most of us would choose, if we could, to start with dessert. Some people do. And so to think that that our kids are going to have the impulse control to say like I really like to start with dessert, but I know I need to eat my carrots first, and so I'm going to do that. Like they're not going to do that, (laughs) and then it's going to be a battle. No. So a lot of this is your is I believe like our responsibility as parents to structure that and have the food available and ready and prepared. If you are concerned about what your kids are eating, then you should think about that up front. Mm -hmm. And don't hide the good food like that is a separate, like, just don't do all that. If we can get our kids, that is our, that is, again, Mm -hmm. that is our stuff coming out, right? Of like, no, we have to hide it because they have to eat all this because we don't want them to do X, Y, or Z. If we teach our kids to listen to their bodies, they will do what they are designed to do, which is fuel them
2: Mm -hmm.
0: with things that they... That tastes good to them. That's all. And so if we can get all the way back to that, I don't think it would even be a, an issue of when they eat treats or if they eat dessert or how many cookies or whatever, because we are we structure it in a way that is the more healthy food is available Mm -hmm. as much as possible and we teach them to listen to their bodies if we could figure out those two things their bodies our bodies are designed to work a certain way Mm -hmm. if we can just stop overriding those signals with all of the junk associated with our relationship with food yeah and so that's where I would start is perhaps restructuring how you talk about it what you have around how you structure meals but Ultimately, it is go back to having your kid pay attention to their body, Mm-hmm. quiet them enough, quiet the messages about all of the good and bad and all that stuff enough to help them learn. Is your body telling you you're hungry? If the answer is no, then we don't eat. Mm hmm. If it is yes, then we eat. Is your body telling you that you are full?
2: Mm
0: hmm. If yes, we stop eating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if no, you can have more. If you, you would just do that, I am convinced that some of those statistics we talked about in the beginning, we would be able to make some gains on those Yeah, and, and flip things a little bit.
1: Wouldn't that be nice?
0: <laughs> here, here. <laughs> all right. All right. That's all I got for today. We got a what in the week and then food. It's been a good yeah. day.
1: So let's get rid of the clean plate club, everybody. That's
0: right. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, the clean plate club. I'm oh, always gosh. in the clean plate club. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's, laughs> all right. Well, I hope this has been
1: helpful. This is a very nuanced topic, and I'm sure we could have we could have other episodes. And if you have other questions around this, because I feel like this is one that is important in our in our relationship with our kids, but also just as parents, like the messages that we struggle with from our childhood, how we talk about food for ourselves and like negative self-talk and all that stuff. So if there's other stuff pertaining to this topic or any topic that we, you know, mention on the podcast that you want us to dive a little deeper on, please let us know that. You can message us on Facebook or Instagram or email us at info at parentaldevelopment.com. It's hard to fit, you know, a full conversation on a one particular topic in our time frame, that Ben doesn't yell at us for going too long. He may even say that about this one. So sorry, Beanie. Yeah. So thank you guys once again for listening. Hope this has been helpful and we will see you guys next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parental Development. If you found this helpful at all, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to stream. And if you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, email info at parentaldevelopment.com. We'd love to hear from you to know that someone else is actually listening.
0: And remember, we're all doing the best we can in this parenting thing. So survive the day and keep the kids alive. See you next time.